Welcome back to this week's episode of Be Boulder. Once again, I am lucky enough to be joined by a guest, Maddie McIntyre, um, and she's going to tell you her story, which I will never do justice to here in a minute. But, you know, Maddie's got a really awesome tale, and I'm happy to share it with all of you. You know, she's, uh, I've got a firm belief that people who are athletes by background uh, are just incredibly hungry, go-getters, make things happen. And so I am excited for you to learn a little bit about her. And so before I turn the mic over to her and start asking her a bunch of questions, I'll give you her background here. Maddie comes to 22 Ventures, uh, the firm that she's with right now based in Columbus, Ohio, after a long stint with the Ohio State Athletics Department. You know, there she played for the Ohio State softball team from 2011 to 2016, She's a three-time captain. She earned a bachelor's, master's, and an MBA, overachiever, (laughs) and began her career as a fundraiser following a professional softball career in Italy. Her passion for building relationships, bringing people together, and leading created an opportunity for her to start the Eugene D. Smith Leadership Institute, both an honor and a chance, it's both, both an honor and a chance to create something that will stand The test of time, the Institute impacts student athletes as they assess life after sports. In addition, she's responsible for the $20 million capital raise for the new lacrosse stadium. I appreciate that as a former lacrosse player. And the $10 million endowment for the Institute over the course of her tenure at The Ohio State University. Maddie will take her desire to empower people and build successful business ventures in her current role with 22 Ventures, where she manages all of the portfolio company's strategy, growth, and success within the entity. So, whew, holy smokes. And, you know, I don't even think she's 30. And so, uh, you know, please uh, allow me to turn the, the mic over here and introduce Maddie. And uh, Maddie, thanks for being here with us today. I'm so excited to be here. And just for the record, for everyone, I'm not a the person. So we can, <laughs> we can drop the the. <laughs> I, I am. I am. <laughs> Probably oh, the, legal, the legal ramifications of it. Oh, I know. I still remember that when they tried to um, trademark the word the. Mm-hmm. Or the. It was very funny. And then they failed and they were so sad. Anyway, um, <laughs> Maddie, thanks for thanks for joining us. You know, I I think you have an incredibly interesting tale, and I feel like you've accomplished you know so much in your life, and you know I think the best is still yet to come. But you know, if you wouldn't mind, can you give us a little bit of background on you know where you were born? How did you end up at OSU? Walk us through that. Yeah, I was I was born in San Diego, California. And so, you know, as you can imagine, the transition to the Midwest, I think still still can be hard. I was looking at the 10 day forecast and I'm like, so it doesn't even look like there's a chance of sun. So I'm not sure you ever fully get used to it. But, um, you know, I was incredibly lucky because I had an opportunity to get recruited across the country. And, you know, we always joke, my dad was an engineer. And so I was the kid with the Excel spreadsheet with you know, all of these different things that were weighted and, and ultimately, um, you know, the spreadsheet came out to saying I should go to Michigan and being a California kid, I, I didn't um, know or understand the rivalry and just something felt right to me about Ohio State. And it ended up being like the first time I, you know, told my parents no and took a chance on Ohio State and everything I thought they had to offer. And I was a young kid. I committed going into uh, going into my first year of high school. So wow. it was 
it really kind of was a gut feeling. And I think since then, you know, I've really tried to rely, rely on my gut. So um, just a great opportunity to come out here and be a Buckeye. And obviously that led me into my, my first role. So I'm, I'm really grateful to them. Yeah. So holy smokes. So you must've been just a mega athlete and softball player in, if you were committing in your early high school career. Um, I, I always tell people I had really good first basemen throughout my career. So they made me look really, really good, but we, um, you know, in college athletics has obviously changed a lot. Luckily kids can't commit that early, um, which is better for the athlete, but yeah, you know, shortstops, pitchers and catchers, we all, you know, you were pretty much committed by your first year of high school or you weren't going to a top tier program. So it was, it was a lot when I was, when I was a kid, it was, it was definitely a lot. Holy cow. Holy cow. So you come to the Midwest, which is a different planet for sure (laughs) from the West coast. Uh, So you land here and then walk us through your softball career. What was that like? And what are, what are some of the most important lessons that you learned that you carry forward with you now into your adult life after athletics? Yeah, you know, it's always interesting when people read a bio, right? I mean, it reminds me now that I'm getting into this situation where we are working with some some founders and it's kind of like a pitch deck, you know, it looks, it packages everything up and makes something look so pretty, but it, it really, obviously, like everyone, hasn't fully been the case. I mean, I was recruited as one of the top shortstops in the country and, and came here and six weeks into my freshman year, I um, dove for a ball and tore tore everything in one of my thumbs. And so I was kind of immediately out and um, I'll never forget like my freshman year, I played most of the season. They ended up moving me to second base and I played a lot of the season in, in a cast actually on my, on my throwing hand. So I've got learned to get pretty good with glove work, but I think that was the first time in my life where I was like, you know, I had to learn how to adapt. I mean, they, they said they wanted me on the field. I, I set the record for most walks um, in a career, which is probably one of the things I was most, proud of because I had to, I had to adapt and I had to change who I was as an athlete. And I really had to get up to the plate. I got, um, hit by a lot of pitches and, um, learned how to walk because I couldn't swing the bat because my hand was broken all year. So, um, that was kind of the first time I had to really reinvent myself. And, and I think even then, like I, I came to Ohio state to change a program around and we did, but not to the extent that I thought we would have. And so I think it was, it was just good. I mean, college athletics, it, it teaches you adversity. It teaches you how to adapt. And gosh, it, it, I think one of the coolest things about it is it just teaches you to work with different people, whether it be, you know, socioeconomically from all parts of the country, all different races. I mean, it was just a really cool opportunity to get, uh, you know, together with a group of girls and figure out like how to win. I mean, at the end of the day, that is what we did. We, we figured out how to win. And I think that's the greatest gift. Um, so I loved it. I mean, I had, I had an incredible career. Oh, that's awesome. And so just out of curiosity and forgive my naivete here, what was the program like when you first started and where does it sit now? Because it sounds like you were instrumental in helping to sort of turn it around and teach the team how to win. But, you know, I had a similar situation playing lacrosse, you know, we went from a, you know, zero win season to a Mac championship over five years, but that takes a long time to turn that Titanic around. So what was that like for you? And what is it like now? Yeah, it, it, when I was, when I committed, actually, we were, 
you know, going to to the softball's version of the Elite Eight, right, or, or Super Regionals is what we call it, um, which is the step, the step right before the College World Series. So I thought I was walking into a program that was, like, on the cusp of being in the World Series, and I wanted to be the person to take it there. And I guess my junior year of, of high school, they had a pitcher get hurt, and things started tanking. They only won eight games my junior year of high school. And so a majority of the girls that committed alongside me um, dropped, dropped before signing their letter of intent and didn't come to Ohio state. And I, I didn't um, because I just believe loyalty is really important and stayed and gosh, we, we only won 13 games my freshman year. Um, and then by the time I was a senior, we got back back into the postseason. So that really became the goal. Um, our motto is the standard needs to be 64, which is how many teams get into the postseason. And I'm grateful we we achieved that. The team now, um, before COVID, I guess, since our season got ended closely, they were in the championship game of the regional. Um, so they're definitely, definitely on the way up. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So then you played professional ball in Italy. So talk to us about that, because I'm curious about that. I did. It was the most crazy experience. I had, I actually had, uh, 10 surgeries while I was in college and I had to redshirt my junior year because of it. And so I was kind of the senior that absolutely loved it, but was playing in quite a bit of pain. And so when, when a lot of the the draft was coming around and, um, I had pulled my name from it, you know, I did not want anything to do with continuing my career. And then in the big 10 champion or big 10 tournament, I was really fortunate and played well. And, my coach came up to me and said, I know you're not really interested in playing professionally, but the coach, uh, the Italian national team reached out. He saw you play. What they're doing in Europe is they're really trying to expand the game. So they're bringing American shortstops and pitchers overseas um, to try to grow the game by throwing big names like Ohio State. The woman I went out there with played at Ole Miss. Um, I was like, you know what? I think I could keep playing for Italy. Um, and I had the time of my life. I got to live, you know, we got to live immersed in the culture. We walked to the market every single day, twice a day. My roommate cooks just fantastic foods. We got to play, you know, the Germans and the Czechs. And we had Dutch girls on our team. I mean, it was the coolest experience to be overseas, immersed in a culture. Um, we got we got third place in the European championship game, which is what I went over there to, to do and to play for. Um, you know, it, it was such a, it's like your dream as a little kid to be playing on a field where you see the Olympic rings. And I think to get to do that with the, the girls that I still stay in touch with. I mean, it was, it was, it was literally a dream come true. So. Well, that's awesome. So yeah. then what brought you back stateside? So they, they, I had actually, taken a job at Ohio state before I went to Italy. So I, I came back to start, start work. And my first role at Ohio state was, you know, and it's funny backpedaling a little bit, Italy was really my first taste of, of real life. You know, when you're playing for a professional team, you get paid based off how you perform at least in, in women's softball overseas. And so that was kind of the first time where I was like, I got a real sense. I was fortunate that I hit really well. I had great stats while I was over there and I got to reap the, you know, the financial benefit, not much different we're talking like two or $3,000, um, which was eye opening because the girls didn't perform, got just packed their bags and sent home, no money, no, no promises and nothing. So that kind of gave me the first taste of feeling a financial impact of performing and performing under pressure. And I, I just, as if I already wasn't, um, 
it almost kind of became an addiction to me to, to, to drive as hard as I could to succeed and, and, and kind of see what I could do for myself. And I was really walking into a role where um, I had no portfolio. So as a fundraiser, you know, something that is valuable, as you know, Lindsay, uh, probably better than anyone, is being able to walk in a, a situation where you have a portfolio. I didn't have a portfolio. Um, I'd never asked anyone for money. And all of a sudden, I was overseeing the West Coast um, for, for the athletic department. And that was – I was so excited. I mean, it was such a great opportunity to, to put a book together and figure out how and why and how to communicate with people, you know, and make sure that you're not all of a sudden becoming a bunch of different people's granddaughter um, or pseudo-granddaughter. But, you know, it was great. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Well, that's wild. So – I would say, I mean, I, I know this. I know that you were very successful in your job. I feel like if you're not picking this up here, folks, you know, everything she sort of tackles and goes after, she's very successful at because um, Maddie, I will tell you, has a quality about her that it's hard to find. But when you find it, you you go all in on those humans, right? And it's just this like hunger and this drive and this, you know, desire and almost like will to succeed. And so- what she then did, and I know this because I know her uh, personally, but, you know, she then built a portfolio that, you know, was second to none in terms of fundraising. And, you know, you ended up, how long were you at OSU fundraising? I was there for four, well, I only was full-time fundraising for two years, but I was with Ohio State for five. Right. And so, you know, has gets this, builds this amazing book, amazing skill set, but then, you know, you, you kind of found yourself saying like, Hey, I want to try some other things and I want to do some other things. So, you know, one of, uh, everyone's favorite Buckeyes, Michael Red, and, and you got, you know, reconnected. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role there and how, you know, the things you've learned in the past are helping you through, through that as you navigate that completely new role. Yeah. I mean, the, the, our athletic director at Ohio State always told me, you know, that people were the most important piece, similar to what you were touching on. And when you find good people, keeping them close and continuing to be a student uh, of everything that they've learned. And so that, you know, I was fortunate in my role at Ohio State that I was always very externally facing, whether it be with, you know, corporate institutions across the U.S., individual donors, family offices, whoever I was working with, um, I really made it a point to have genuine connections with these people. And that I think, you know, is, is really where Michael kind of came into place. He was my first trip ever with Ohio state was actually a, a trip to the CBS sports classic with our basketball team and Michael and Akia red were both on that trip. And we just, we hit it off. And throughout the course of my career, he followed me. We obviously saw each other a lot. And I think when you're in higher education, there's, there's a certain bureaucracy to it. And I was just starting to get, you know, hungry for, for more and an opportunity to build something. And I love Michael. I believe in him immensely. And so I, I think this is just an opportunity to, the thing that you love about athletics is an opportunity to impact the student athletes and, and really make a difference in their lives. And I think what we're doing right now is something similar. It's just with, uh, you know, CEOs of, of companies and, and young ones. I mean, that's really what we're looking for is an opportunity to impact young people. Yeah. And, and so, that that world, this new world, I mean, it's it's similar, but it's a little bit 
different, right? Because you're thinking about strategy. Yeah, fundraising is important, but it's a different type of fundraising, right? It's not philanthropic anymore. It's fundraising to keep the lights on, to grow the business, all of those kinds of things. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about that and what you've been learning so far, because I think that's been pretty interesting. Yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, it's polar opposite to philanthropy, because when you're asking someone to give, you're asking, you know, for someone to give without receiving something in return. And, you know, now what we're doing is we're obviously asking, you know, doing different capital raises with an opportunity for these people to receive, you know, like they're, they're going to receive a benefit from, from giving to us. Now, I think the interesting part is where it's similar is you're still asking people to, to believe in a mission. Um, and, and that's what I love, be it, you know, with bold with 22 and some of our portfolio companies, I think just getting people to believe in and understand, um, our CEO and our people, it, it all really stays the same. I think we just have an added benefit of when we're successful, you will benefit with us. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. And so I would say my next question is, what are you most excited about moving into the next phase of your career? I am, I'm probably most excited just to see, you know, for lack of better terms, to see what I'm made of and what we can build. I mean, I think that, you know, you get into this situation when you're in higher education where, you know, there's so much red tape that you can only innovate so much. And so I'm just really, I've been here for about six weeks and the, you can just run and run and run and run. And I think that is the really fun part seeing, you know, there's different struggles that our CEOs go through every day, be it, gosh, like I've had to take last week, a whole bunch of courses on Google AdWords. Cause I didn't want to be advising people that are in our portfolio companies on Google AdWords if I don't understand it um, inherently. And so I think I just hope that I can, I can dive in and the ultimate goal will just be that I can impact people and, and hopefully help grow, you know, their wealth and the, the success of 22. Awesome. And so, um, you know, I would say then what advice do you have for, you know, entrepreneurs, student athletes, whatever group, because they're very similar. Um, what, what advice do you have for folks coming out of school now when they're thinking about maybe getting into entrepreneurship or, um, you know, venture PE, what, what would you say to those folks knowing what you know now? I would just say to, to make sure you take care of yourself. I mean, that's why I love what you guys are doing with, with bold and bolder is that just there's, I'm dealing with it right now. I mean, it's like you could literally run and keep going as, as fast and as long as you can, can handle it. And that's probably not um, what's best for all of us. And so I think, you know, there's endless amount of resources out there um, to, to really, to, I mean, to feed that type of personality, which is typically what and who the entrepreneurs are. And so I think the biggest thing I would do and and personally working on is how do you put, how do you build boundaries and guardrails so that you're taking care of yourself and your family and, and still having a successful business? Yeah. And I love that. And I think you're, you know, I'll shout you out a little bit. You're doing a great job doing that. I know you've had some ups and downs and some highs and lows in the, in the past, you know, let's call it handful of months. And I think you do a, you set a great example of setting boundaries, putting yourself first, taking care of you. And I think that then we see it on the flip side with you, which allows you to run at a pace that's 
ultimately faster than everyone because you slow down a little bit to accelerate and spring forward and, and, and shoot past other folks because you're more well taken care of. So kudos to you. And um, I'm always appreciative of you uh, supporting, supporting the mission. So, <laughs> so I appreciate it. Well, with that, um, you know, I will say this to the universe and I'll be on record with in the ether. Uh, <laughs> you know, I will tell you, I, I, Maddie's a hitter and I don't mean that in a, in a punny sort of sense, you know, a softball sort of sense. Like she's the real deal. And I am excited to watch where her career goes and the way that she develops. And I know she will be nothing but successful. So, um, you know, you heard it here first folks. So Maddie, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. And, um, you know, uh, thanks again. You, this was just awesome and, and super inspiring. Well, I'm humbled. Thank you so much for your words. I love you for multiple reasons. Same mostly, mostly for your CrossFit now that I've seen a photo of you just snatching away through the roof. But um, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful to you and, and your whole team. So thanks for having me on. Anytime, anytime. And uh, for everyone out there, thanks for listening. And as always, don't just be bold, be bolder. Thanks again for listening today. Don't forget to join us on Patreon to support Boulder Inc., a nonprofit providing mental health, physical health, spiritual health, and financial health resources to entrepreneurs, founders, and teams to help them function at their best to produce their very best. And of course, through Patreon, you get extra access to bonus episodes, merch, who doesn't love that, and more. If you're not already, subscribe and leave us a rating to keep growing the Be Boulder audience. You can find me on Instagram at BeBoulderCast and at Legally underscore Lens. And of course, check us out at TheBoulderLife.com. <laughs>